listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. We have yet another wildcard episode for you ladies. <laughs> we, are celebrating, we are celebrating Mental Health Month this May in like full style here. We're pulling out a lot of the stops. I don't know about all of them. We have to save some of this for next year. <laughs> but pulling out a lot of stops, we've had conversations about stewardship of the mind and emotions. That was a great wildcard episode. Brie, talking about that stuff, we had a great conversation with Lindsay Hausch about anxiety and you know social pressure and that kind of stuff. Uh, that was also a great conversation with Lindsay. And today, we're actually recording this on Armed Forces Day, we mm. have a military spouse as one of our co-hosts, mm. and deployment is a thing that military families have to deal with, and it affects mental health. So today we're talking about surviving deployment, what military family life looks like, all of that kind of stuff. We may be throwing some random questions at Rachel today. So this is going to be a really great episode, whether or not you are a military family, if you know a military family, this will be a lot of good information on how we can support the military families, uh, either in our congregations or in our families or on the internet, ways you can just support military families because they are important to us in the body of Christ. So, Rachel, take it away. Yeah, well, you say it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and that is true, but it is also May is the month of the military spouse. So yes, that's four months. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a great month to be a military spouse. And this whole episode was sort of inspired by an article that Pastor Roy Askins actually asked me to write for the Lutheran Witness online. And I write a lot for them. And most of my articles are sort of like more devotional in nature. But this one was something that we both saw was filled a need in the in the discourse. Um, yeah. And the, the wonderfully creative title, <laughs> mm-hmm. How the Church Can Support Military <laughs> Families During Deployment. We tossed around a few other titles, but I was I finally said, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. It is a list of ways in which churches and individual Christians can support military families during deployment. We are actually living through a season of deployment right now. And I'll tell you, there are very few mental health challenges I have faced in my life that are as severe as this. Mm. Uh, It is on my mind all the time. My son asked me yesterday while we were were having a little uh, PE class working out together, and he said, so mom, what's on your mind right now? I mean, besides dad. Oh. And I was like, you're right. Every time you ask me what's on your on my mind, just expect that it's dad plus. Mm. You know, mm. it's dad plus I need to pay that bill. It's mm-hmm. dad plus we should get on with your long division homework. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> because it is just something that it, it is in the back of my mind all the time that this person mm. that I love so much is so out of reach for me right mm. now mm-hmm. and that it leaves me very feeling very lonely, mm-hmm. very vulnerable, very stretched to my limit. And if you talk with military spouses, nearly all of them, everyone I've ever talked to, will s- report exactly the same thing. That a season of deployment uh, where your spouse is just off, <laughs> away, mm-hmm. out, of, uh-huh. out of reach, out of touch, it really stretches you to the very limits mm. of what you 
can handle what you think you can handle. And so it presents an opportunity, a ministry opportunity for churches to realize that these families, military families, we like to think that we're strong. We don't like to ask for help. (laughs) We are stiff upper lip people. Don't complain about stuff you can't change. Just accept it. Take it as it comes. Roll with the punches. That's how we do. Mm-hmm. And yet this deployment thing comes up and in the world we live in, I, I'm, I'm, I was an army kid back mm. in the, in the nineties and my dad served for five years and never deployed. Mm. Huh. Mm. And that's what I thought military life would be like for us, but it's mm-hmm. not that way in this day when we have the global war on terror happening, when we have, you know, there's the drawdown in Afghanistan, ongoing, you know, operation inherent Freedom, Enduring Resolve, whatever the operation names are. <laughs> I get them all mixed up. But there there are very few military families that don't have to go through this time mm-hmm. of months, you know, uh, of time apart. And so, yes, we are tend to be very resilient, well-resourced people. But during a deployment season, we need help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the church is in a unique position to give help at a time that is very, in addition to other kinds of vulnerability, spiritually vulnerable. Yes. Mm-hmm. So th- I wrote the article as a way to sort of offer some concrete pointers for what kind of help is most appreciated, makes the biggest difference in, in people's lives. And I had help. Our Lutheran lounge ladies, you Wait. guys came, Lutheran lounge ladies, Lutheran ladies lounge ladies, <laughs> you guys came through in a big way back in December when I put up a thread asking for insights and ideas for this article. So much outpouring of practical wisdom mm. and personal experience. And I was able to, with permission, of course, use some of those those words and those stories in my article. And it just made it so much, so much richer. So yeah, that's, that's where this, this episode has come about. And I'm so honored that we can talk about this together because I really have a heart for other military families and what we are all going through at regular intervals throughout the, the lifespan of a military career. Cause it's rough, you guys. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Were you surprised at the amount of responses? Like, is is having Lutheran sisters in military families something that we kind of overlook? Are they more common than a lot of us even realize? Mm. I think so. I was really, it was fun to see, you know, back in December when we first had that conversation, see people come out of the woodwork, not only current military spouses, military service members, but also people who had been part of that life in the past mm-hmm. um, and still had very fresh memories from it. It is, I think, a larger part of our church community than we normally are aware of. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a significant percentage, I would say, of our of our, our church family either is or has been connected to the military. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Very surprised and pleased. It, I yeah. got sisters. It's wonderful. Yes. Let's just jump into the article first. Can you 
give us, I know we want people to actually go read the article so you don't have to like read the thing verbatim, but (laughs) I already have. You can actually listen to this on the Lutheran with this podcast, word for word, all my articles become audio editions. So if you're not a reader, you can read it that way too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We'll link that too. The Lutheran Witness podcast. But what are the highlights of this list of ways that we can help military families? I'm really curious, especially if we don't have military families in our immediate vicinity. I think a lot of us might think, oh, I don't know anybody, so I don't need to be and not in like a, a bad way. It's just like, I don't ha- I don't know these people. So I don't, it doesn't yeah. come to the, to the forefront of my mind mm-hmm. to, to be involved in this. So a, cu- a couple of resources I'll just put out there. And I wish that I had done more to highlight these in the article. So you're getting bonus content already. Yes. Um, get in touch with LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. This, yep. if this is something that is near to your heart. Operation yes. Barnabas. Mm-hmm. Barnabas, of course, was the New Testament saint who was the son of encouragement. And so Operation Barnabas is a ministry of encouragement for service members, LCMS service members. And Mm -hmm. so they can help you get connected to that. In addition, I believe they also have an adopt a chaplain program. Do they they really? You know what? I got to Google this now. Hang on. I was just reading about this yesterday, but now I'm starting to feel uncertain. I did not know about that. Yes, this. adopt a chap. Yes. Um, where what? congregations can adopt LCMS chaplains to the armed forces uh, and so form a awesome. relationship with them, support them in prayer. So if this is even if you don't have military people in your life, there are ways for you to get connected mm. to this ministry of encouragement to help people who are serving in a very hardcore profession that mm. creates a lot of opportunities for spiritual vulnerable vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And they need their Lutheran brothers and sisters supporting them in prayer, holding their hands, you know, helping them navigate the many spiritual challenges that come with a career in the military. Yeah. So those two things, there's lots more. Look up LCMS, Ministry to the Armed Forces. We call them MAF, which is mm. fun. Um, <laughs> we do. We do. Sounds like a Muppet name. <laughs> MAF the Muppet. <laughs> oh, a little, a little chaplain Muppet. That would be amazing. Oh, that would be lovely. Chaplain <gasps> um, <laughs> MAF. But the, the folks who are part of that ministry, all of them are either retired or served long stints in the military themselves, they know this stuff so well, and they have such a heart for it. And they care so deeply for the the people and, and, and the people serving in the armed forces and the importance of spiritual care in that Mm -hmm. context. Like they are so passionate about that. And I will say also as somebody who, helps them raise funds every year like yes the people who support ministry to the armed forces on an annual basis are some of the most passionate loving and generous people that mm. exist in the world yeah they really are <laughs> so yeah get in touch with with the math people the and math. you will you will find good people there and lots of opportunities to be an encourager mm-hmm But if you have military families already around you, then, you know, there are some things that you can, you can do. The first one, and I love this one, is 
Yes, deployment is a uniquely grueling time. Don't wait until deployment to connect with military families. <laughs> um, there's this sort of impression that because we move around a lot, and I'm moving again this summer, that you know it's not maybe the world's greatest investment of your social energy to uh, – Sorry to get really real here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is to, a real episode. <laughs> to to uh, really get close to a military family, um, because as soon as your friendship really gets going, you got to say goodbye again, mm-hmm. and that stinks. But as a church, what that means on the other side is that when we show up at your church, we are ready to plug in. I mean, mm-hmm. not me right now, because honestly, deployment stinks. But um, (laughs) by and large, we're ready to plug in. We want to be involved. We know that we our time may be short. We want to make the most of every minute that we can be part of your church family, our church family. And so it's a wonderful treasure for the church. And if you are connected with a military family before the deployment time comes, then you're able to help them through that in a way that Mm. you would not be if you were just sort of starting to get to know them when they hit this really tough emotional roadblock uh, in their life. I do have a question because you had said that sometimes there, there may be a a reticence to really connect with a military family because of, you know, someone might have, might be afraid to get attached. But I think for me personally, I just don't, I don't know how the whole deployment thing works. Like, is there a way to, like, just as, like, a civilian, like, an outsider, is there a way to just know when that kind of stuff happens? Is it, like, you just got to read the news and assume, oh, this unrest is happening? You won't actually read it in the news. Okay. Um, most most deployments are, there are a few, a few units, the special forces units, et cetera, who can deploy at the drop of a hat. Mm. Most deployments, you can see them coming. Mm. Um, okay. For example, I knew this latest deployment, I knew about three months in advance. Okay. Um, because they've got to, there's a lot of preparation that takes place in terms of getting your family and financial affairs in order, just in practical terms of making sure you have the gear you need in your, in your sea bag and, uh, you know, on the ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, you can see it coming and that actually makes it really hard because yeah. you really want to make the most of your time together, dread. but it's just, Hey, at some point you just look at each other and goes, I wish you would go ahead and leave so we can start looking forward to being back together again, because this oh. dread is awful. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Most deployments, you can see them see them coming. And if you are in a friendship with a military family, they will probably be venting to you so about straight this up, pre-deployment they will stress. You. They yeah. will tell you. But they will not tell you exactly when on mm-hmm. anything. So that brings up one of the most, probably the beginning of this article was the subtitle number three that I used. Number three, <laughs> don't ask what they can't tell. If there's mm. nothing else you take out of this article take that is that we as as lutherans love to find out about people's lives and we love to make polite chit chat but one of the most painful things operational security mm. opsec means that we try very hard as a country interested in its own defense to not be too forthcoming about where our military people are and what they're doing at any given time. 
the idea. Mm-hmm. So I can say a deployment's coming. I can't say exactly what day the ship is pulling out of the harbor. I can't mm-hmm. say when they're getting back. I can't say where exactly they are. I can't say, you know, what exactly they're doing. Is that something that you know or do you not even know? Most of the time I don't know, which is mm. really frustrating because right. I like to know things. Right? <laughs> yes. But and, and what little I do know, I have to be very careful about whether Ooh. I say anything and to whom. And so when people mm-hmm. ask those innocent little questions, it puts me in a really awkward position. Little jam. Like, mm. I don't know. And if I did know, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to kill you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so if you are able in your conversations to frame them in a way where you express your concern and your interest without asking for uncomfortable specifics, that is just the kindest thing <laughs> for for someone who feels that social yeah. awkwardness of the whole situation, because I yeah. know it comes from a place of love. I know that you're not a Russian spy trying to figure out, you know, exactly what's happening with the with you know, this military defense. I do know that, but <laughs> but uh, if you you know can get the message out that opsec is just it makes everything harder because I want to share that with you. I want to know Mm -hmm. everything and I want to share it. It's as the spouse at home, I see myself partly as the family information officer, you know, sharing (laughs) what I can with the people that that can receive it. So it's very painful not to be able to tell the whole story. So yeah, Yeah. but deployments, you usually see them coming. Depending on the service branch, they last anywhere from, you know, four to six months up to a year or more. And it is, they usually come up every few years. So it's, everyone, everybody goes through it. And when you're going through it, it really is awful. There's yeah. no other way around it. But once they come back, then the joy is so intense. You usually forget some of the suffering. At least I hope so. <laughs> I cry at those the videos on social media when the the spouse, the military deployed spouse comes back and like they surprise their kids and wife and dogs. And I, I just, (laughs) the emotions. Yeah. And like, I feel like I don't, I've never gone through that, but I can only imagine like the heart bursting emotion (sighs) that happens when your spouse comes back. Like none of it's made up. It's all there. I tried to, I tried to film our reunion last Uh August when he came back from his previous deployment and I've got it's this, it's the silliest little video. It's just me <laughs> filming, and you see him walking towards us, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> all you you can still hear a little bit, but it's it's totally like you can tell that the phone was crushed. Chaotic <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, joy. <laughs> so it's the exact opposite of those really nice, beautiful, polished videos that turn up on social media. We were would not, would not gotta, end up in the evening news with that You get an outsider friend to like come and film who has a little mm. distance yeah. from it who can just be like, <laughs> I'll focus on getting the good angles. You guys can just focus on your reunion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Touching bodies. Another thing I really wanna wanna highlight is that while the most obvious ways to help are to be there for the military spouse 
for the family that are left behind because they are going to have needs, you know, whether it's childcare because you're a solo parent, whether it's someone put put their name on the emergency contact form mm. because all my family are uh, not here. Right. Mm. And so uh, sometimes it's kind of ludicrous, the area codes that go on my emergency contacts. If I had somebody who was willing and who I trusted to put as that person that I could call in the middle of the night if I have to take one of my kids to the ER, like being that person is great. I live on base and that was intentional because I needed around the clock maintenance crew with my husband gone. (laughs) Right. But a lot of people don't. And if they don't have that handy person uh, and not that not that the spouses left behind aren't handy but we all have our areas of expertise mm-hmm. right i'm very good at some things i'm not good at things like changing my windshield wipers i'm That's learning fair. i have learned how to grill <laughs> that's something i never did before no. and yes. deployed um <laughs> go, yeah going months without grilled meats was not an option so i found new depths of strength in myself um, <laughs> Last two years ago, when Ken was, and this wasn't a full deployment, but when he was at chaplain school and I was having to sell a house on my own, oh. um, yeah, one of our wonderful brothers in Christ at our church at Hope High Ridge, he is a handyman and also a, a military veteran. And he came over and helped me with that list of things that the inspector was going to be looking for mm. on the house. Mm-hmm. And that was that was so amazing. I don't know what I would have done without him, you know, just being there and serving. And he saw it as as giving to Christ. And it absolutely was because many prayers of thanks said for that service. So yeah, there are ways, many ways to help the families that are left behind. But one of the ways you can help is simply to help encourage the service member who's out there. Mm-hmm. And this usually takes the form of snail mail. Mm. I say snail mail uh, because, (laughs) (laughs) yes, most of the time these days, thank goodness we're not living in a previous time, the deployed service member will have access to email. Mm. But they don't have very reliable access to email, and they don't have a whole lot of time in which to spend on email. Mm -hmm. And so as a selfish person... I don't like to give out that email address because I want all of that email time to be spent on me. I love it. I love it. Boundary. Uh-huh. However, there is more than one way to encourage a person. <laughs> and so I will give out the FBO address to anyone who asks for it because Encouraging someone who is going through that crucible of deployment, it requires more than just one person. I can't, if it were just me, I would I would really struggle. But I know that there are other people who are sending him letters, sending him packages. There are churches who have adopted my chap. And, oh, I love it. And he gets that boost of encouragement every time he hears from people in the body of Christ. So I put FPO address in the in the article. I realized after the fact that I was being incomplete. FPO stands for Fleet Post Office. Sorry, Army folks, which have an APO. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Army Post Office. Um, All the acronyms. It's just yeah, a life so of acronyms. Many acronyms. It just means a special address that you can reach them via while they're on deployment. 
Uh, you won't know exactly where it is, but it will get to them eventually, think four to six weeks. And with the post office being what it's been lately, think six weeks. <laughs> huh. But anytime you are able to just pop a note, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a fancy care baggage full of home-baked goodies, which will be like powder when they get there in six weeks anyway. Even just a note of encouragement says, hey, brother, hey, sister, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. Mm. Here's a verse that I read today that made me think of you and your experience. God bless you. Like that, that's all it takes. You know, five minutes start to mailbox and you can be that encouragement. One of the one of the quotes I put in the article that just floored me when I read it, and this was from a Lutheran lady service member. She said, I would have liked to have gotten mail when I was deployed. Any mail. Wow. It was rough. Wow. And I really, oh, thank God for her honesty and her vulnerability because it really just sent home for me. I think I put a letter in the mail that day. (laughs) Yeah. When I, when I reread that quote, because there's something special about receiving mail and it's a uniquely potent pick me up. So, you know, encourage the family at home, help them out, make sure that even if they don't ask for help, because spoiler alert, we won't ask for help <laughs> that you are there to offer it and maybe even sometimes force it on them. <laughs> Sorry, I've got my hand in my my head in my hand right now thinking why are we like this? <laughs> Human nature. Human nature. There's a special pride that comes yeah. from gutting it out when you don't have to. Well, I noticed in the article you talked about sometimes it's good to have help be aggressive. And I'm always <laughs> I'm always somewhat reluctant. I'm like, if I, I tend to be more of the, let me feel this person out. And if, if they're giving me strong impressions that they got it done, then I'm going to take them at their word. And so, yeah, I guess that's, I don't know, that was just a, a different perspective, I guess, for me thinking about how to interpret that. But then I also think about other people where like, you know, somebody who's just had a baby and I'm like, okay, well, they say it's okay. I, I'm i going to believe them. But maybe sometimes it's still, it's like, yeah, I know it's okay. I'm still going to do this for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You very know? similar to that, that sort of short-term yeah. vulnerability that makes you very hesitant to ask for help. And I was so glad for our Lutheran ladies who reinforced this idea of the aggressive help because it is very much against my nature too. So I, I needed their perspective to to remind me that this is something I should just remember to mention. There was one line in the article that sort of summarized my existence more than any other, and that is, some spouses and families turn inward and like to be left alone during deployment. Hmm. That's me. <laughs> Which is ironic <laughs> that I'm writing all these, all these ways for people to be aggressively helpful. But the other thing is, others shrivel up from loneliness and lack of daily adult interaction and mm. feel completely helpless and overwhelmed at every new crisis. So mm-hmm. realize it's it's good to realize that there are varieties of military yeah. families just as there yeah. are varieties of people. Mm-hmm. But I was really glad for the voices of those other women to say yeah, I was ashamed to ask for help, but when somebody just brought it over and left it on my doorstep, 
I was crying. I was so grateful because mm-hmm. I really needed that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just because I am, uh, I tend to get very introspective. We've talked about this before, curved in on myself during this season. I just like to gut it out, honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I realized that maybe that isn't necessarily the healthiest always and that other people aren't necessarily like me. Uh Some people just, I I like sitting on the back deck reading a book. Other people that just gets very, very painfully lonely and Mm -hmm. empty. And they need, Mm. they need someone to show up and say, Hey, you want to grab a cup of coffee? You know, because that is what they need and that's what they love and crave and they don't get it really. Mm-hmm. Not in the same way. Yeah. Well, and I think just from from listening to you share these stories and, and uh, some understanding of, I don't know, mental health and just human nature in general, if, if, you're, if you need to ask for help for something, that means that you have to consider your circumstances and feel the pain that, and, and the emptiness <laughs> Um, and that void that is causing you to af- have to ask for help. And so if you just don't, you don't have to go there if you don't ask for help. It's just, you can kind of just leave that. And it's like a coping mechanism. Like mm-hmm. I, if I don't have to ask for help, I don't feel that pain. I don't have to recognize that that void is there. If someone just brings it on you, you're like, oh, hey, yes, like I needed this and you filled this void, but I didn't have to like go through the painful part of it. I don't know. And right. that's not like a... That's not like a, a dig on anybody. It's just kind of the reality of <laughs> of human nature in life and life and how we cope with things that are painful. Like it's mm-hmm. it is it's hard. And me as a civilian, I, you know, there's things I can recognize my own skills and things that I am able to do for people and recognize what other people where other people have those voids and yeah. maybe don't don't want to have to face that void and just be able to reach out and or, walk mm, alongside our brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah. There's this list of items that just as they sort of fall apart that I'm wondering, well, do I just wait till he gets back? Mm. Or do I see if I can find someone to fix this? Or do I learn how to fix it myself? I learned how mm-hmm. to change the string on the string trimmer. And then I learned it again uh-huh. because I forgot and I'm not very good at it. <laughs> uh, but there is a, Sarah, you'll love this. One of my kids' bikes got a terrible flat and I couldn't find yes. the right tool to fix it when I started to fix it. And so it's been a month with the bike hey. sitting upside down on its handlebars. He's not loving that. Video call me. I can help you with this. <laughs> I, know how to, I know technically how to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> this but is I, my I, thing, man. I know bikes. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Okay, all right. We'll have a we'll have a chat sometime soon. But this is an example of the kind of thing where I'm like, well. The child yeah. will technically survive another couple of months until dad gets back and he'll probably have it fixed in like five minutes because he's really good with stuff like that. And if I do mm. it, it's going to be two hours of me pulling my hair off out on yep. the video chat with Sarah yep. while she's rolling her eyes at how inept I am at this bike repair thing. I don't roll my <laughs> eyes at people who don't know bikes. I will teach. I will okay. teach. Internally. women. Like she's got the genetic condition where you can't roll your, is it roll your eyes or roll your tongue? whether Uh it's in that condition or she just won't yeah (laughs) so there's this there's this whole list of things everything from bike repair to bad habits the kids have developed that i just don't have the willpower or strength to get you gave yourself permission to fail with 
yes, I give myself permission to fail or at least <laughs> fail for because I know that when he walks in that door with his great booming voice, they're just going to yes. be scared out of their socks and suddenly all these behavioral problems because it happened last time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hey! <laughs> suddenly they're not like sneaking bowls of cereal into their bedrooms anymore. It's I don't know why it works that way. One hundred anti B. That's all I gotta tell you. Oh my goodness! Miles, that's my line. Direct line. Okay, and if if you if you have not heard Ken's voice. Go to kfuo.org slash Arazio. <laughs> this is partially a program plug and partially in jest. But go to kfuo.org slash Arazio and just, that's O-R-A-T-I-O for those of you who don't know how to spell that in Latin. And just listen to Ken's voice and you will understand what Rachel is talking about. <laughs> I dare you to not be afraid of what would happen if this voice got mad at you. Yeah, we've, that's always been like discipline. The ultimate discipline is to have dad boom at you but dad's booming voice is gone and mom's voice is a little uh paltry by comparison like it does not have the magic so yeah and they oh we all we all miss him it's like every day someone will say i miss dad i wish dad were here you know do you miss dad mom yes i miss dad you know it 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 never goes away and i guess it probably shouldn't because Mm. (laughs) no because we love him and we want him back Mm-hmm. Um, but it's our our daily life right now, right now for a season, yeah. for a season that keeps feeling like it's stretched on forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is one of the sort of unique things that m- the military there is that somewhat ambiguous, fluctuating nature of it. So you know, yes, they you you expect to be able to plan for this. You know, it's coming, but then. Maybe sometimes it can change what what your expectations were, and and so mm. you've been planning all along, and that's sort of a unique. I mean, and all of us have this, of course. You know, none mm-hmm. of our lives are so so rigidly organized that you know you don't get those curveballs. But deployment, when those sort of things change midway, that's just I can see how that would just be an extra like compounding exponential sort of factor. And they do. They do. That we have several times during a deployment gotten that awful word. You know, I said I would be back around this time. It's not going to be around this time. It's Mm going to be some other time and I don't know when Mm -hmm. exactly. I will be back. Mm -hmm. I will be back. But this, this sort of soft date that you had in your mind that's right. not doable right. anymore. And that uncertainty, I I like to sort of, I like to plan 10 moves mm-hmm. in advance all the time. <laughs> and I can't do that. Or if I do that, I'm constantly readjusting. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we said that your PCS that's coming up in just a couple of months, we've been telling you for a year that it would be this place. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. We don't know exactly where it is, but we know What's that it won't PCS, be this place. PCS, Rachel. Oh, sorry. PCS. <laughs> Permanent change of station. Oh, it is the official wow. name for all those moves, pack up your life and go to a different place moves that military families have to do. So it's so- permanent with like quotation marks? Oh, permanent as in from here until we give you someplace else. <laughs> permanent change. That's like uh, the oxymoron of oxymoron. Yeah. 
Yes. Oh man. Yeah. No, that's you're right. There's an irony in that permanent change of speech. Oh my god. We should know going in that it's only going to be for like a couple of years. It's It's probably going to be more like a temporary firmness or something like that instead of a permanent change. Oh my goodness. Those kinds of curveballs are just the way you live your life if you are associated with the United States military. And I I guess for good reason, because the needs of our country's national defense, they change Mm -hmm. on a daily, on a weekly basis. And our forces have to be ready to adjust, to adapt. Yes, I would say that some of that uncertainty is probably not necessary strictly that you could run a military perfectly well without a little bit of it. Um, (laughs) But you couldn't. I mean, you've got to be able to pivot Mm -hmm. if you're going to be effective at fulfilling the mission of defending this country against Mm -hmm. all threats to its well-being. And um, but that doesn't mean I like it. Yeah, I don't like it. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No one blames you. No. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody. It's one of the aspects of service that I think we often underestimate. And I think this happens to an extent with with missionary service as well, Mm, is that mm -hmm. you've got the service member and people have a clearer idea in their mind of what sort of sacrifices they might be making or being they might be willing to make. But it's those like the next level out, which isn't even a far level, is like their family. And mm-hmm. I think people often forget about the, I don't know, the the real sacrifices yeah. that that spouses and children and then you go further out and you get to, you know, parents and siblings and the, mm-hmm. the willingness that, you know, you're being asked and asked to to give up that time with them and to put put all of that on hold uh, mm-hmm. and sacrifice that for this other this other cause for the sake of some of it is ambiguous, but some of it is mm-hmm. is, you know, for for the sake of of my safety. <laughs> right. Um, it's something that we don't, I think we often don't, don't follow it through in the church when we're thinking about the support that we're giving to those sort of endeavors. Uh, it's easy to think about the, that first sort of the, the missionary that's going into that place. Cause that's what mm-hmm. I have the most experience with or the actual sure. service serviceman who's going into that place. But then all the things that are attached with them being able to actually do that, those are the trickier things that don't get as much attention. But we have the opportunity and the calling to to serve that because those those sort of things are what make it possible for that that work and that ministry in, in the cases of chaplains mm-hmm. to actually be able to happen is to, you know, if if their families are able to actually serve and not completely fall apart, then they can act. They can be like, "Okay, yes, Lord, you've called me to this. I can do that." But if their family is completely fallen apart, it, that's going to start giving them pause. Should they actually mm-hmm. consider? You know, is it mm-hmm. is God actually calling them to continue in this vocation if it means that their family is completely disintegrating? Maybe they yeah. need to be looking at, at another calling because you got to weigh those two things together. And so if we can support the one, it enables the other to to continue. Exactly. That, And it, you're right. The, the parallel between missionary service and 
uh, you know, missionaries are sort of like the service members of the church, you know, yeah. going out into the world to do that work. Even when it comes to the military, even though only one person may wear the uniform, the whole family serves. You're right. If everything falls apart, it does directly impact the service member's ability to be right. ready and resilient and able to do to to fulfill the mission. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this old this old trope where the person in the trenches gets the dear John letter from back home <sighs> of like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and you better believe that affects their morale and their ability yeah. to do their job. So one of the things that I am called to do as a military spouse is to be that encourager. I try to be very honest and open with my husband about the challenges we face, but I always try to put such a spin on it that it won't, you know, uh, won't completely crush his soul to think about what we're (laughs) going through back here. Because every sailor on the ship with him needs him to have something left for them. That he can't spend all his compassion on me. They need his compassion. They need his heart to be with them. And so one of my jobs is to suck it up and make sure that things, that the home front stays together well enough that he can keep his gaze focused on, you know, the men and women who are serving with him on the ship, who are going through so many challenges, who need the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love Mm -hmm. of God to sustain them every day. And he's got to be that for them as a chaplain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, which it's tough to think that even though he's all mine, he's not all mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that's true in every marriage and every family situation, but deployment has this painful way as it does in so many other ways of driving that truth home. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like we talked about with our Lutheran Ladies Book Club pick, Till We Have Faces, that- Oh, um, yeah that loving somebody doesn't mean possessing them, that mm-hmm. they can love you fully and belong to something else, somebody else. And they do. We belong to Christ. Mm-hmm. I have a somewhat unrelated question, but I'm curious, and you can answer this as fully or as not fully as you are willing and able. What does Ken actually do? I don't. We've, we talk about him being a chaplain. <laughs> we talk about him being on a ship, but I don't think we ever actually like – Tell people what he actually does. Because he does get to do some pretty cool stuff, too, as he's deployed. He does. I, I mean, not you can't all probably of it answer all of that. <laughs> directly related to his work, but it was it was fun once when we got one of our rare, rare phone conversations. He got to mention that he'd gone on a helicopter ride the day before with what? one of his one of his folks. And so there's a few fun things. Oh, this one was one of his favorite memories from uh, last year's deployment was because he was on an aircraft carrier. They do swim calls where you jump off the end of the aircraft carrier, which is like many stories high, (laughs) and into the water. There are videos. Look up. Wow. Look at Google, YouTube, Navy carrier swim calls, whatever. And then they they basically jump off one end and get to swim and play in the water all the way down to the other end. It's not all like that. Like, that's a very (laughs) rare treat. It's a swim (laughs) call. (laughs) But most of what he does, and again, this is not, he doesn't come home and be like, hey, sweetie, this is what I did with my day. Right. <laughs> we don't have that. That's, that's not how we do. But putting together, there's a mixture of sort of basic administrative meetings and duties that are involved with just anyone who's part of the officer corps. 
In addition, he helps lead and also facilitate worship services, not only LCMS, but he'll also make sure that anybody on the ship who has a faith that they're trying to uphold during this deployment can have whatever resources and access they need to that. So there's some, again, some more admin work, but there's there's some of the basic pastor planning worship services and Bible studies and, and that sort of thing. So there's some of that. And there's a lot of, a lot of counseling mm-hmm. people who need to just talk with somebody. And yes, there are also mental health professionals on the ship, but a chaplain is unique because of the confessional seal that mm. unlike with some other uh, mental health professionals, what you share with a chaplain ends there because the United States military respects the office of confessor. And that makes the chaplain a very special person in any unit because it means that they are completely a safe space. And so, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of counseling. And then what's called deck plate ministry, which Bree would love this basically just means walking around, talking to people, making sure they know you're there and where to find you and checking in on them and seeing how their day is going, getting to know them. And that's kind of a, a nebulous kind of thing. Thing. It doesn't sound like it sounds like just sort of visiting, <laughs> but it's a really, really potent tool in the chaplain's toolkit to be able to just be there with the people. Mm-hmm. And they know that you'll be popping in now and again just to say hi. And that then you've got that basic relationship so that when someone is going through something, a spiritual crisis, they know where to find you and that you care about them. And then you're able to have build conversations off of those, those one-off, you know, friendly, informal interactions. So it's a really cool calling. And on behalf of the, my friends at MAF, I will say if there are any pastor families out there who are, you know, maybe feeling interest in that, call them up because it's, it's a very unique Uniquely painful and uniquely rewarding way to do ministry. Yeah, we've had lots of conversations with the math guys on the coffee hour about the stories that they hear from chaplains about the the really good stuff and the the really painful stuff and how how incredibly crucial the role of a chaplain is mm-hmm. with these service members, um, a role that nobody else can fill. Because mm-hmm. I mean, just the stuff that you're that you're saying, you know, and a chaplain is very uniquely trained to be that person to these service members. Well, and here's yeah. one example of of this, you know, this ability to advocate on behalf of people of religious conviction that and it's it's kind of this was this was actually um published in an article last year. I was really, really, it was really fun to find. But as LCMS Lutherans, we of course hold our own confession very closely. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of supporting other people in their potentially wrong confession <laughs> is something that chaplains have to sort of work around. But mm-hmm. I was very proud of the work that Ken did last year as an advocate with Muslim sailors who needed some help explaining to their commanding officers what was required of them by their faith during Ramadan and Mm. helping to negotiate some accommodations for that so that they would be able to fulfill their religious obligations during that time. And having a chaplain, someone who is 
able to stand by your side and explain, yeah, this is this is something that their faith requires of them, and we can't let it in, endanger the mission. But you know, if we can if we can find a way to accomplish both goals, that'd be great. And as a Lutheran mom, if one of my kids was serving in the military, I would want that kind of advocate for them, mm-hmm. even if it was a Muslim chaplain, to be able yeah. to say, yes, this is a serious thing that this service member needs access to whatever. To have someone say, it's been six months since they've taken communion. We need to find an LCMS chaplain so that they can receive communion. And no, a Presbyterian chaplain won't do. Yeah. Um, to have that level of understanding and advocacy, to have someone in your corner to make yeah. sure that you get the nourishment that you need spiritually while you're in this really tough situation. Yeah. So I will say on that, that, I mean, this is part of our, when we talk about religious freedom in our American culture, American values, that does mean religious freedom. And that means Mm -hmm. that we believe in the freedom to practice for everybody. And that, you know, that includes people that we don't necessarily agree with their beliefs, but we believe in their freedom to practice. And that, Mm -hmm. that extends to our military service members and especially on, on these ships, because this is, I mean, this is a morale thing too. You know, we, we want, we want our people to be able to practice their religion. And, and maybe we should also clarify that, you know, as a Lutheran chaplain, he practices LCMS services. He does not you know, venture into (laughs) any of the, the, what is it, unionism? Yeah, there's no syncretism. And it's a a fine line to walk sometimes, but he sees a difference between, you know, leading worship and Mm -hmm. facilitating other people's access to worship. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, all the the LCMS tenants, you know, closed communion and the like are respected and observed. Which is really great, uh, honestly, and not not every command is as is, is great about this, but most of them are. And our MAF guys, to keep coming back to them, they've got our back. Mm-hmm. That he can say, my endorser, that's what they call the church body that provides you your endorsement for ministry. These are their ground rules. I didn't make them up. Mm-hmm. And if I don't observe them, I could get my endorsement pulled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so to know that you've got a church body that knows what it believes and stands on its convictions and that they've got your back, that gives you the confidence and the strength to be who you are and not to feel not to feel the same pressure to compromise, uh, which I'm really grateful for having the Ministry to the Armed Forces team supporting my husband as he does his his unique ministry. <laughs> Absolutely. Any final thoughts, Rachel, as we as we wrap this up? I know we've kind of gone down a lot of <laughs> a lot of tangents. I just want to say thank you for listening. <laughs> um, we I mean, my my status as a military spouse comes up a lot on this podcast, but rarely do we ever dig into it. And mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to just speak about what we're going through. And what it's like and what it's like, not just for me, but for everybody else who's in the same, literally in the same boat. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's right. You got it, homie. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening and for saying that this is a topic worth talking about. Absolutely. Definitely. It's amazing. Yes. You guys are the best. 
We're wrapping you in a really big virtual hug right now. <laughs> I'm wrapping my arms yeah, around my microphone. <laughs> we are the children. <laughs> so I want to plug the article and the podcast. You can find those at witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness podcast is at kfuo.org slash witness. You can find all of the audio stuff. All of the rest of Rachel's audio editions of her articles are all there. There's some really great stuff. We didn't we didn't cover the whole article. So if you've listened to this podcast, you should also go read the article because there's other stuff in there, including if you would like to send a care package, there's a list of do's and don'ts for things you should and should not put ha. in a care package. So you can find that list there, witness.lcms.org. Great stuff. Happy month of the military spouse. Yes. To everyone. Happy Armed Forces Day, which by the time this drops, it'll be two weeks ago. But today <laughs> is Armed Forces Day. So happy Armed Forces Day. Also, I believe this will be dropping on Memorial Day weekend. So mm. happy Memorial Day to everyone as well. Yes. Join us in our group in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. We've already had some of a discussion on military life, uh, but we'd love to have more discussion on yes. military life, your thoughts, your feelings. If you missed the first discussion, if you're a new member and, and didn't see that one, we can surely talk about it even more, sharing this community, building up this community of military families. We are very happy to do that in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Facebook. Mm. Also, you can share your thoughts on Instagram. You can find us at Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Instagram. Share your thoughts in a story and tag us, and we'll share it on our Instagram as well. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on our KFUO radio app as well. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I am so over this deployment, you guys. I can't even. I just <laughs> <Yeah>. can't even. <laughs> yeah. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. Words are really hard right now, guys. Mm -hmm.